0: Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is
1: why we exist. To focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit.
0: Because every movie makes us feel something.
1: Welcome back everyone and thanks for joining us for this next installment in our Fast and Furious summer here at Feelin' Film. I'm Pat, no, wait, what? Patch. I'm Patch. Oh, I didn't rewrite the intro. I'm Aaron, and with me for this conversation about arguably the best film in the franchise is my ride-or-die best friend and co-host, Patch.
0: That's that's me. Yeah,
1: (laughs) I'm going to stay me. I'm not going to switch with you. I didn't switch the names around. My bad. (laughs) Uh, If you've been following along, listeners, you will already know that our one-word takeaway for the entire series is and has to always be family. Patrick... Let's get into the action. How does family in Fast Five define the incredible experience that Justin Lin has crafted
0: for you? There is a perfect blend of old family and new for me. The best part about this movie is the family aspect in terms of being specifically focused on how important it is. We got a sense of redemption and a reunion. In our last entry and now we get to have fun with not only the characters that we've been familiar with thus far, but bringing in those new characters that were hinted at in the last entry. And I think that Justin Lin does an amazing job of using all of these characters in the same way that the first entry used all the characters. I don't feel like any character was wasted. I felt like they all were cohesive And when you put the word family on top of all those, it makes perfect sense to have all those guys come together and do what they do.
1: Yes, I completely agree with everything. I think it's summed up in a line that Vin Diesel uses talking to Paul Walker after he finds out about the baby coming on the way. And and it's a great scene because... Vin's face it's one of the only times you're ever gonna get this sort of like purely genuine grin out of Vin Diesel and not just a scowl and he just says kind of shaking his head a little bit family just got bigger and and it did right it gets bigger in so many ways it gets bigger for Mia and for Brian although I mean not born yet but like it's on the way to getting bigger And then it gets bigger by bringing in all of these characters that we've kind of been teasing or have been in other movies in smaller sections, but like combining them into one for the first time. And then The Rock, right? The entrance of The Rock. The Rock is not family in this movie, but this is like the Avengers of the Fast and Furious franchise because you have all these superheroes and- they're not necessarily all used to working together yet. Some of them are, but not the whole team. And yet here we have them come together, there are issues, some of them are fighting against each other at times, but by the end, they're working together, and you say, Oh my gosh, this is what a super team looks like. Like this is what it can be at its height. The family is bigger, and in this case, it's better. It's perfection. I'm not even gonna beat around the bush. This is, in my opinion, absolutely the pinnacle of the series. Every time I watch it, I feel stronger about that. It is a- an amazing, amazing action movie. And, and definitely one of the best action movies I've ever seen in my entire life. So
0: that's c- where just I stand. Go, yeah, let's just go ahead and put that in our trophy room right now.
1: Oh, so we don't need to do the episode. You're just saying no. we can just, it's fives, fives across yeah. the board, and we're yeah. done.
0: So we'll see you next week, guys. Peace out. See
1: you All next right. week on
0: Feeling Film. Easiest episode ever.
1: <laughs> all right, listeners. Well, here is your spoiler warning for the episode we actually are going to do. We are going to talk about it in full. And if you haven't seen this movie, I don't What's wrong with you? Just go watch this stinking movie. My goodness gracious. Something is wrong. Just go see it, please. By all means. Watch the rest of them. Why are you even here? Why are you following along with this series if you haven't watched? I don't know. My point is we're going to talk spoilers because that's what we do. Patrick, my CP for Fast and Furious and and at some point these names are going to get super complicated starting now they're going to start getting a little after this one it starts it's like what are they actually called but my CP for Fast and Furious last week's episode on the fourth film was the ending leading up and including where we see Brian Mia and the crew clearly about to break Dom out of a prison bus this movie picks up At that exact moment, it actually replays a very short section of it and continues as if that movie had never stopped. Like, you could string these together. Like, say if they were playing on YouTube, and you know how, like, YouTube will auto-play the next video in in a series, it feels like it could be like that, and it seamlessly just keeps going, which is awesome. I wondered, for you, how... Does this opening stack up against the rest? Because I know you were a huge fan of Fast and Furious 4. Is this anywhere
0: in that realm for you? Well, technically, no, it's not. Because I think that what I loved most about Fast and Furious and that opening was that it called back to the original sequence of a heist moment. And it almost replicated that bigness. You know, we're in a different country. We're doing the same thing. We're stealing something that's valuable. But as a continuation, I think it was serviceable. It wasn't big action for me. It was serviceable. It was kind of over too quickly. We had one car come in to deflect the bus. The bus flies over. And, you know, this is a come on moment for me where apparently all the prisoners were still there. Nobody else escaped except Dom, but you know, whatever, progressed the story. But I think as a transition to getting us into the movie, I think it was fine.
1: So I'm actually right there with you. And it's interesting because I didn't go into this viewing thinking about this as the opening scene and i'm going to tell you what i think was the opening scene what in my head is the opening scene? And i know you i know you know what i'm talking about most listeners probably will know what i'm talking about too basically i'm talking about the train heist that happens fairly early in the film that is extremely memorable on par with what we see at the beginning of fast and furious and what we see at the beginning of the fast and the furious <laughs> movie one so
0: with and without articles, of all. God,
1: can we just call them one, two, three? Why? Why is let's it so just do
0: complicated? That. One, two, three. Yeah, we'll do that. Anyway,
1: so I that is what I've always kind of thought was the opening. So I was a little bit jarred when I was rem- reminded that this is how it gets going. What I enjoyed about this opening, while agreeing with you, it's not on par with the last film or even some of the other n- entries. I do like how it is a direct follow on and ties these movies together and lets you know. Right from the start. Like, we're not going to just jump forward in time. We're not going to cut anymore. Like, this is the story. It is just keeping on going. And it's fun to watch this. The action's cool. It's really fast, like you said. You blink, and this scene is over. But you get a quick shot of of Mia doing this amazing move and turning around. And amazing slash stupid. She plays chicken with the bus to make it swerve. Which, I mean... Your come on moment is, like, honestly, there's, like, four of them in this scene, to be honest. Like, Mia playing chicken with the bus. Patrick, If the bus doesn't swerve. The bus is a bus, okay? Frankly, let's be real here. The bus is a bus. Mia is in a sports car. So, who's going to win the chicken battle? Uh, uh, You know, the bus is going to be victorious. But the bus swerves as it's supposed to. They swerve it again a couple different directions to get it moving. And then... Brian bumps it with his car almost like a hip check like you do in basketball or something and then the you know flips the butt it looks awesome it's dumb it's the beginning of the dumb in the fast and furious franchise for sure like we get some like ratcheted up action moments but it looks cool the thing i thought was interesting wasn't necessarily the prisoners didn't escape because they're out in the middle of the desert and there's no way for them to escape because they don't have sports cars with them what was interesting to me is, like, how did nobody die? How how did, and frankly, how did they not n- know that Dom would potentially die? Like, they are taking a humongous chance because of, like, random physics that Dom could have easily been killed in that bus crash. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like a really dangerous way to break him out. Uh, and an unnecessary risk and i was just like that was my come on man moment of the entire movie well i take it back there's two that was one of them and i was just like what like what if he died like the movie's over the whole franchise is over you
0: guys just killed dom and yeah that was dumb yeah if i had my brothers, i'd probably say depending on how you set up him getting t- is it Lopak? is that where they're going i can't remember the prison oh my but...
1: goodness gracious that's way too detailed.
0: sorry <laughs> i don't know so they're on their way to the prison it would make more sense for me if they were getting close to it and they had an action sequence that didn't involve a bus flipping over four or five times, a souped up school bus. Let's just call it what it is, because it's not like you have seat belts and things like that in there or things that will keep you strapped to the seats. It would make more sense to me to have that thing happen closer to the prison because I would believe, oh, yeah, none of these prisoners escaped because They were close to that. And, you know, maybe in theory they were. But, yeah, your moment with the idea of these guys not dying or or being hurt at all, you know, with the number of times that bus flipped, I would think there would be some scarring.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I want to take this minute just to say before we move on to the next topic that this is a great example of something actually we were touching on and talking about before we started recording this episode, or at least I was kind of leading into this conversation is when it, I've been thinking a lot about review scores recently and in the gaming world, but it translates to both movies and games, the things that I love and how a piece of art, a piece of entertainment like this can be a 10 of 10 game. It can be a 10 of 10 movie, in my opinion, and not be perfect. And I think I've gotten to the point, Patrick, where I really subscribe to the idea that nothing is perfect. There is no perfect. And I may throw around that word, you know, in my vocabulary occasionally, but really what I'm saying is this is what I consider to be the best possible thing for me in all regards. But what really is true is like I can objectively find a flaw or something I don't like in anything. It's a matter of do the artistic choices that are in this elevate it and make it stand out or are they exceptional in so many areas that little things don't matter and so for me that's why this is a 10 right or that or five sorry games are on a 10 movies are on a five for me it it gets confusing numbers i hate even giving numbers but like that's why i consider this a top tier best of the best in class i.e trophy room i.e five star movie not because it's perfect and it's the most realistic but i don't need that realism from that moment, I can accept that come on moment, because it's part of the franchise that I've grown to love. And it makes sense in this world. And so I'm okay with it because of how it's being presented to me. I think that that is done with exceptional craft. And that's why I find it to be so amazing, not necessarily because I agree with the narrative choice.
0: Right. And what you're saying reminds me of an opportunity I had to be on uh, one of our, not sister podcasts, but another podcast that I'm connected to through our friends at Retro Rewind. Mm-hmm. We recently covered Jurassic Park. And if you're not familiar with that, that podcast, first of all, check it out. Retro. I Rewind. thought you were about That's to say, if you're not familiar with Jurassic Park,
1: and I was going to be like, turn us off, <laughs> go back, <laughs> because you are not, you are not Maybe welcome Lynch. here Maybe until Lynch. you go familiarize. <laughs> yeah, sorry, carry on.
0: Well, when I was on the show, if you're not familiar with it, go check out their podcast as I said retroreviewonepodcast.com. It's a it's a fantastic podcast that centers around movies and games reviewed from 15 years or more ago. So, they're always getting entry, you know, newer entries in as the years go by. Anyway, part of their format is that you have what are called classic makers and tragic makers. So, part of the discussion is to talk about the things that you really liked about the movie and things that you didn't and Aaron if you've listened to our episode on Jurassic Park you know that I will tell you it's a perfect movie to me it's a five-star movie it's a trophy room movie for you and I and I told Aaron before I said I'm going to argue if people try to convince me to find something that's flawed about it and The conversation was just a lot of fun because it was all tongue in cheek. I mean, the fact is nobody took me seriously in terms of like ready to fight, but it was that kind of attitude that I think allows me to be very defensive about movies that are personal to me. Very much like when I have to nitpick a movie to find something wrong with it, that says something about the movie. And I'm not going to call this opening sequence a nitpick. I mean, theres you could call it something wrong, but it doesn't take away from what I think is the original purpose of going and seeing movies, which is to be entertained. Despite the believability of it, was it still an entertaining opening? Absolutely it was. And I fully admit that it was informed by the fact that I love these characters. I love Mia and Brian and Dom and these new characters that were teased in the prior prior entry. So, yeah, absolutely, I'm going to love that. And you're exactly right, Aaron. Nothing, a movie doesn't have to have zero flaws in order to be perfect to a person. It is highly, and I'm saying this for Fast Five and Jurassic Park, just as a side note, they're both highly rewatchable. They're both entertaining, and they both depict something that I felt the first time I watched them Equally as much now as I watch them again and again. And when you can do that for me, that's my criteria for a quote perfect movie or a five star movie. One that once it ends, I can hit replay in the digital world. I don't have to rewind anything anymore, but I can replay it. Same thing with Sing Street. I immediately wanted to watch it again after I finished it, not because I felt like I missed something, but because of how it made me feel which as I continue to plug our podcast time and time again, that's why we do what we do. We find movies we're able to cover intentionally or not that hit us someplace where we're like, I'm ready to watch that again. I cannot wait until there's an opportunity to either cover that or just watch it on my own. And Fast Five, for a lot of people, whether you love the franchise or not, whether you think this is just blatant popcorn fodder or mindless entertainment, most people that I talk to are going to say this entry is probably the best in the franchise. And I don't think that can be disputed. Because even if you lower the expectations of the franchise as a whole, this film is elevated. I think this is the peak, like you said earlier, of the franchise. It doesn't diminish my entertainment value or the appreciation that I have for the other movies. But there's a place in my heart, in my entertainment heart, for this entry for a number of reasons that I know we're going to get into.
1: Absolutely does, man. Well said, well said. And and I hope that everybody listening to that tangent gets something out of that. So not directly about this movie, but hey, you know what? It applies. Well, each of these films has some sort of heist-like event, or at least they have up until this point. I don't want to necessarily project and say that about the rest, but I'm almost positive that they all have something in them, if I think hard enough about it, that is like a heist. And... This this one, though, really does center around the theft of Reyes' safe as a major plot point. It's not just something that happens along the way to progress the story. It is the central thing that is trying to be accomplished. So I want to talk about how this film is constructed like a traditional heist movie, more so than the other films in the franchise, And I want to know, I'm going to start with something, but after that, I want to know from you what other elements you see that are there or that may be missing. And I think that the biggest one, the most important thing here, and the thing that you and I are absolutely in love with in heist movies, and it's one of the primary reasons that we enjoy them, is the crew up. Okay, the crew up is the moment when you get everybody involved in the job together for the first time. You kind of get your assignments divvied out, and it's usually Patrick's favorite thing in the world, which is a montage.
0: Gotta and love it's the just, montage.
1: It's awesome. And in this movie, we build to that, and it, it it is in such a great way, because we get some action first with Dom and Brian and Mia, and what we quickly realize is they can't do this alone. And they're coming up against this thing. And Brian specifically says, Dom, you can't keep running. We've got to get out now. He's like, so let's make a plan. And you get the perfect line that tells you everything is about to go all to hell. Dom says, one last job. (laughs) And it's like playing a video game, right? That's one last turn, one last turn. And now it's 5 a.m. in the morning and we're late for work because we kept playing. It's the same thing. There's never one last job. In these movies, it's either one last job again, or it's one last job because you die at the end of it. That's how they usually go. So the plan is they're going to take all of Reyes's money and disappear forever. They say new passports, new lives, with no more looking over our shoulder. And we're just going to buy our freedom. You realize we're talking about going up against the most powerful guy in all of Rio? Then we're going to need a team. And I I read it like that because it's very dramatic in the movie. And I'm here for it. I mean, I'm like, I'm getting, I get chills. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Right. I'm excited. I care about these characters. I'm pumped to see them come on the screen and be introduced. Dom says, most importantly, we're going to need two precision drivers, guys that don't crack under pressure, guys that never lose. And Brian looks at him grinning. Oh, you know, we got that. And it is just. The epitome of their relationship is in that dialogue exchange right there. Like the whole thing is like right there. And it's beautiful. It is this bro moment that makes my heart so happy and makes me so excited. And then we start to get them introduced, right? We get Tej and Roman back together again. We get tons of comedy. And this is actually what I realized, Patrick, was the first time that Tej and Roman really become Tej and Roman. So... In the first film, as we were going through F and F two, when we see them meet for the first time, they're just both friends of Brian. So they're in a circle, they're not connected yet together, and they're kinda they play off of each other because they have these fun personalities that they like to banter. But in this one, they're a pair, and it's a it's apparent that their relationship has kind of blossomed over the time that they've been off screen. And we also get Don and Tigo back. Right, which are Doms' buddies who are very similar to Tej and Roman.
0: You gotta (laughs) get rid of that negativity, man. Only Latino, yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna buy this guy. We're gonna buy this guy. Spend millions of dollars on cooking lessons. (laughs) (laughs) So good. (laughs) It's not gonna help. They say, but. <laughs> Why you gotta blow up up so bad? Like he's talking, you know you use too much explosive on the toilet. Anyway, those guys and Tez and Roman are so similar, but they're like hilarious. And then we get Giselle coming back in, and we get our man Han. The very first literal scene of him in this movie, he walks into frame. What is he doing? What he's always doing? He's eating chips. He's eating, eating, chips. Chips, <laughs> he's eating <laughs> chips. It is awesome. Frankly, the the crew up is awesome. And I think it was really good the first time you watched this movie. But when you have the context, there's something special for me about this scene. When I know the fates of some of these characters and I know what they're going to go through in the next three or four films after this, it makes it even more important for me and more happy of a moment when they're coming together like this Uh because we're seeing them in such a great time in their lives, essentially, you know, uh, as far as being together, being family. And so it's great. The crew up in this one is done really well. It's exciting. And it's part of why I think this is really, truly a heist film. I actually think that you and I did bonus content on our favorite heist films at one point for Patreon. And we put this in there. It it might've been your number one. It was up there. It may have been, it It was definitely in our top five though. Yeah. For heist films. So we considered it. So what else for you? I mean, you can talk about the crew up if you want, of course, but like, is there anything else that does or doesn't kind of set it apart from the other films in the franchise as a heist movie?
0: Well, it's it definitely feels more intentionally a heist movie where the first entry gives us a heist, but that becomes a backdrop to this story of Brian being kind of infiltrated into the world of Dominic Toretto's life and getting to know these uh these crew members this team this whatever we're calling them at that point what i think justin lynn is doing here is just like the first entry had a formulaic flavor of point break which we thought was fine again it's okay to reinvent the wheel if it's entertaining when it comes to that kind of stuff i think justin lynn pays homage to soderberg and oceans 11 not only with the with the team up in kind of giving people specific roles like as Dominic is talking about here's what we need and then Brian says yeah and we also need this we're giving these characters we're giving the audience these character traits saying oh okay this is why these guys are important they're not just all drivers I thought it was really interesting that they referred to Han as a chameleon someone that can get in and out I didn't think of him that way but it makes sense in the context of how we get to know him over the course of the next two or three entries. And the same thing happens in Ocean's Eleven. We get these different characters that come in for specific reasons. The other thing you mentioned, Aaron, is something that I love in ensemble movies, which is the idea of pairing, being able to put people together so that their chemistry can really play off each other. And you mentioned Tej and Roman being one, but Giselle and Han they get a lot better chemistry because they're, yeah, there's a physical attraction there. There's a fantastic moment in this movie specifically that they kind of look at each other and kind of measure each other. And they kind of feel like you got Han who knows a little bit about Giselle saying, well, how long has it been since you got out of the army? And she's like, about as long as it's taken you to quit smoking. You know, they're just kind of sizing each other up. Like you're not as smart as you think you are. And, there are just these fantastic shots of them together. And also these other characters, Brian and Dom, I think could be a pairing also Brian and Mia. So it's not like perfect, but I think it's very intentional because movies like oceans 11 do that same thing as well, where you have Mm -hmm. pairings, but you also have moments of individual showmanship that exist in that movie as well as this. So I think when you have, specific character traits given to these characters that give them value, they don't feel wasted. And I think that's very characteristic of a good heist movie.
1: Yeah. And another thing that is common in almost all heist movies is what I would say is the calm before the storm. And this movie has one of the best calm before the storm moments that I've ever seen, at least for for me personally, the one I enjoy the most. And that's where we're about to do the thing. And it's dangerous and scary. We've made our plans. But we're going to have some fun together as a family, as a group. And in this movie, that moment for me is the four-man police car race after they have raided the impound and Roman and Dom and Brian and is it, is it Tej? I think it's, I want to say it's Tej.
0: No, no, it's Han. It's Han. Yeah. Yeah, Roman, Roman, Brian
1: Hahn, and Dom. Right. And the way that the banter goes, because they're all cocky and they all think that they can win. And then this race through Brazil in police cars, especially Roman, just the joy that he has when he's driving this thing is awesome. They're like putting on their lights and acting a fool. And it it's just a really great there's more to that calm before the scene calm before the scene, calm before the storm scene that uh, we'll talk about later of course like a more all family inclusive moment but uh, you know this is part of that I think and it's fun in heist movies to do that you get to see them playing they're there for a job they're there together but their personalities the reason they're able to work together well and and pull something off like this is because they can mesh outside of the workplace as well and that's what that scene shows us and that's very common in crew up type heist movies well one of the things that makes this movie perfect in my opinion is also how it is the just i don't know I, I, i'm trying to find another word it's the perfect marriage of what has come before and what will come after we talked a lot about in the last episode how fast and furious was really bridging that gap and pushing us into what fast five is going to be and I think Fast Five is like that apex, right? It's, it's that top. It, it's kind of all going uphill to that. This is at the top and then it, you know, kind of goes down. And I don't mean down in quality, but I mean down in a different direction for the tone of the franchise. An example of this is to me when they're planning for the heist and they brilliantly are mocking up this track. To practice the turns and maneuvers that they need to avoid detection by the cameras. It's an awesome scene because they're all driving, doing the thing that they're there to get, that has brought them together because they love cars and vehicles and they're getting a chance to compete, which they all also love. But it's in service of being able to give us this incredibly crafted, bombastic, insane action sequence later in the film. And I just wondered if anything stuck out for you about how this movie kind of blends that early part of racing culture as its series is growing and transitioning into the full-on spy, espionage, insan- Avengers-like superhero insanity that it becomes by the time we get to where we're at now in the series.
0: Right. There's a There's definitely a growth. I think you mentioned that. There's a maturity. In the characters, in the action sequences, the technical stuff, what's interesting is that we still maintain street racing as a character trait of this film, but Justin Lin intentionally skips over a race because we are familiar enough with the dominance of both Brian and Dom in that we don't need to see the race in Brazil. Oh and when they go when they go win the cars they go in the cars and yeah. all they do is show they, up <laughs> they show up and then they have that banter with the guy whose car they eventually win and the next thing we see is them rolling in with this really great looking blue car and then the next sequence is them saying we need a better car so what you assume is that they go out they win handedly and they keep upgrading their vehicles again if we want to talk about playing with previous entries not only in this franchise but also previous films man there's hints of the Italian job in here there's hints of gone in 60 seconds in here both of which are some of my favorite heist movies and so again when you can blend that when you can put those things together to allow this to make sense for this narrative it really really is entertaining Aaron and the fact that what we don't lose is that sense of competitiveness I think that is a through line from the very beginning, the sense that I'm going to be the best or we're going to be the best. And even after they continue to fail and fail and fail, there's almost this sense of, I got this. I got this. It's, it's almost like when you're playing a video game and you can't beat that final boss and your buddy sitting next to you, like, let me try it, Let me try it. And then they can't. And then you're like, no, 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 I can do it this time. Let me do it. That's what it feels like where this team of people is keeping that competitive spirit, but yeah, as a means to an end. And you're exactly right. What we get is a change in the plan, but everything that they had learned was in service to what happens later on in the big street sequence that we get the pleasure of watching. And so I think in a lot of ways, what Lynn is doing effectively is he is not only calling back to the roots of the original movie, but also to the roots of previous heist movies in general, and blending them in a way that feels very much like it makes sense in this story.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think you I think it's it's wonderfully done. And it's it's again, it's masterful craft, like in the writing in the directing in the acting, it all works together perfectly here. And you can't wave a magic wand and have a fast five. You just can't do that. It doesn't happen. Just like my example of my comparison, you can't wave a magic wand and have an Avengers or an Avengers Infinity War. It takes time to build these things up, to have these through lines. Like you said, the competitiveness, I love that. And that's part of why I brought up that quarter mile race in the police car. It's awesome because what does Brian say to Dom right before they take off? He says, don't cheat this time. And Dom's like, you've got to let that go. Like, he still won't let it go, right? Like, it is a thing, and of course, it ends up being hilarious with the way that that plays out, and the whole Roman telling him it's a baby gift, (laughs) and (laughs) Brian's like, "Wait a second, like what?" And Dom's just like,
0: "I don't know, you know." Yeah, I was ready for him to call out his signature BS, you know that that the word that he uses all the time.
1: Yeah, like, you're a buster. But, um, but yeah, that was one of my favorite things, too, is actually, and we'll talk about him, but, like, we're going to move into family here anyway, is Vince being back? That was a part of the, the family connections that this film has. We haven't seen Vince since Fast and Furious 1, and, like, one of his first lines in the movie is, you know, what's up, buster, to Brian, like, the first thing he calls him when he sees him. So... We talk about family every episode. We talk about it at the top on the one more takeaway. Obviously, relationships are what makes this series unique and special more than anything. So, let's start with Vince. When you watch this for the first time, because I know you've seen it a, a handfuls of times now, but is Vince returning a surprise to you? Was this reappearance new, like, or did you kind of feel like it fit in? He's got a kid and wife now, and He goes on, you know, a pretty compelling arc throughout this, even though he doesn't have as much screen time as
0: the others. So how do you feel about Vince's inclusion here in the the group? Well, at first it was a little bit jarring. I remember the first time seeing this and going, oh, the the big kahuna is back or whatever they call them. And what I appreciated about it was that he feels more mature. Not only, I guess, in his build, like, he looks like a more mature character. He doesn't feel like a goof. Where I think Vince from the first entry kind of comes across as a behemoth, like, kind of like a a caveman. He feels in this fifth entry like someone, and it's probably reinforced by the fact that he has a family of his own. But I think he looks physically older because he is obviously But having a family on his own really makes me think, okay, I can believe that he has a life after the first entry. And he even says that to Brian. He said, you screwed everything up, essentially. You made life terrible for us. You got Mia involved. And now she's in a life that she can't get out of. And I think he's got a legitimate beef because Brian... He screwed a lot of people. I mean, he made his, you know, he, he made his amends in the fourth entry with Mia. And I think his confession was more beyond just her, but for himself. But bringing Vince in, I think, gives us that little echo of the fact that, you know what? Ramifications extended beyond just the Toretto family. It extends to the crew. And Vince was probably the loudest voice in that first entry apart from Toretto and Mia And I think that having him come in and really being a piece of like an agency for these guys to push that story made sense to me. He didn't feel wasted. And I'm going to continue to repeat that, that when characters aren't wasted and you have that many in there, that's really a sign of effective storytelling. So for me, he works really well.
1: I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. And I despise him in the first movie, but I despise him as a character, not as a person not as he shouldn't be there i despise him because i think i'm supposed to not like him i'm supposed to be annoyed but even in this movie when dom shows up you know he he is still the same vince right he takes on this job doesn't really know everything that's going on he's not as thorough as the other guys and he gets him into some stuff and dom comes in and He's like, Dom, you know, like I told you about this guy. Like I warned you, you never listened to me. And I, at that moment, like I actually feel for Vince, you know, I'm like, man, he's had to run too. like, here he is living out in Brazil. He's done the best he can by what his standard of doing the best he can is being criminal act to, to stay, you know, <laughs> you know, have money, but like, he's got a wife, he's got a kid he's trying to take care of and he like you said he was right like it's he, he kind of got a raw deal in a lot of aspects but that beef between him and brian is still fun to watch play out i love how kind of that macho-ness between them is never gone or at least at the beginning until late in the movie when he saves mia and he comes back in and dom immediately does what dom does because dom is loyal And he says that and he offers him food and says, of course, but you're going to say grace. And then Brian goes over to him and shakes his hand and says, thank you. And to me, that was like, that's the thing, man. And I, I don't mean to overstate this, but like that is the equivalent of a big dramatic moment in so many movies. But in this movie, that means all the world, like because of what these guys have been experiencing between them up until that point that means everything and i love that and that you know parlays into vince ultimately his sacrifice right and like he's part of the team and i'll be honest man when he goes to ask dom in this movie he's like hey man have you got a spot on me for me in the job you can see that it's great acting because he is torn apart like he it's hard for him to lower himself to ask for this, but he knows he needs it. And ultimately he's making it very clear to Dom. He's like, I want my son who was named after you because I love you to be taken care of. And that's what gets done in this film. So I think it is really, I guess, nice in a way to wear how he goes out. I mean, I don't like that he gets shot and murdered and killed, but in a sense... I, fi- I find it honorable to the crew. And I th- I'm so glad that the he doesn't die with the beef. You know what I mean? Like, it's laid to rest. He's accepted back into the family, Brian included, in the end. And that that's how he goes out.
0: One of the things that stands out to me about that moment you mentioned where he goes and asks Dom to be a part of it is... There is no hesitation when Dom says you're in. He doesn't think about it. He knows that Vince is always going to be family. And if that's not grace, Aaron, I don't know what is. The fact that it's almost like if we want to look at this from a spiritual standpoint, it's almost like as a believer, we're like asking forgiveness and we immediately get it from our creator. And I think that Dom represents that in a small way where he doesn't. It's not that he's not affected by the consequences because he has no problem telling Vince that he screwed up, but it doesn't change the fact that he's still valuable. And it's not like he is in, like he owes Vince this dedication to his son that, oh gosh, he's named after me. Then I, you know, obviously I should let him be a part. No Vince on his own because he's Vince because he is part of that family easy. There's no decision that needs to be made. You're forgiven. Go get something to eat. I love that. Go get something. There's something amazing about that moment. Yeah. It it disarms him. It says, look, you don't have to worry about that anymore. You were always going to be loved. You're always going to be taken care of. And it makes that moment at the end when he goes, I got eyes on Nico. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful because I wanted that. I want Vince to be redeemed in that way. I want him to be remembered or to have his legacy taken care of in the, eye, in, in, the in the eyes of his son, in the eyes of his wife. In fact, there's a tender moment with, with Vince when he's talking about the fact that he was spiraling through South America. I love how how he words it. It's very poetic. He goes, I was spiraling through South America and I'd keep going had it not been for her. Like he found stability. That's a mature moment. This Vince is not a guy who I would expect to settle down and have a family. Somebody changed his heart. Somebody changed him enough to care about more than just himself. And I think that's a huge character leap for him. And I love that Justin Lin allows his character to experience that. Even though we do get his death eventually, I think it's redeemable. And I think it allows us to say, you know what, Vince was a part of this. He wasn't just a guy that was funny and was trying to get the buster out of of the the crew. He was really somebody of value and somebody that Dominic cared deeply about.
1: Yeah, yeah. Everything he did was in service of protecting the family Yeah, in his way. That's what he saw and that's what he tried to do. Mm -hmm. Well, another relationship, one of these pairings that you brought up early on and actually a couple of them, I guess. Brian and Mia, we'll start there. This is the first film, Patrick, that we have them together in where there's no fighting. There's no anger. There's no cheating or breaking up. There's no, like, I lied to you, and so you need to find out about it and slap me and cry. And likewise for Brian and Dom, actually. There's really no tension between the two of them. It's all gravy. I just wondered how those two relationship dynamics played for you in this film, and did you miss... That style of storytelling where they've got problems that they have to solve or were you ready for this moment after having built to all of this? Like, for example, the last movie being pretty much entirely (laughs) Dom versus Brian kind of working things out. This one, we, is it, was it nice for you to finally get some chill time for these characters and not have them
0: having to question each other's motives for once? Something I appreciate in storytelling and those that do really great stories well is, as we've talked about in our love for the last of us, having moments of levity in a world that is very oppressed, a a world that's very much full of despair. Being able to have moments where you can breathe, where you can laugh a little bit, where you can step back and say, you know what, the world's bleak, but right now it doesn't have to be. I think that Fast Five serves as a kind of valley and also a transition into a different kind of movie that the franchise becomes, but it turns into a valley of of drama where we get to enjoy just being with these characters. We're not and don't need to be as concerned about the fact that they are at odds with each other. I think the fact that they're not at odds with each other helps us focus more on some of the bigger world elements like the introduction of the rock like reyes like all of these things that i think would have been overkill if we had focused strictly on continuing to give them conflict for these characters i think they needed that chance to be able to say things are good now let's focus on the bigger world that we're a part of I mean, we're all fugitives now there's a big heist that we've got to do now there's a big enemy There's a big guy that's coming after us. I don't know that Justin Lin would have been as effective as a storyteller if he had continued to create that tension within the family. I think enough was there with Vince to kind of add that tension internally that helped complement some of the more positive stuff and the bigger story that was being told. So for me, I'm actually glad that we've moved past that because I think that story's been told. And I think it's time for us to move on to the next season of the lives of these characters that now include a baby on the way, that now include an expanded lineup of family that are also pairing up that could, in in my opinion, maybe have an interesting spinoff of their own if they wanted to. I mean, I, I, I could have been happy with a Giselle Han independent story <laughs> spinoff of some kind, but I think if you continue that conflict, you'd get more distracted and it would feel like a bogged down movie.
1: Yep, I would agree with that as well. Well, the other main relationship pairing we have in this film that is extremely big (laughs) in more ways than one is our man Dominique Toretto and our man Hobbs. And boy, oh boy, I may not love everything that The Rock and this character have added to the series over time. I know that some people feel differently about that. But my goodness, in this movie, it is chef's kiss awesome. I'm wondering what you think about how their relationship kind of evokes change in each other. Um I wanted to point out a couple of things about this, though. Just regarding The Rock and Hobbs as we get to this is his dialogue. I I texted you when I was rewatching it this time around and I was like, "Man, this movie doesn't get enough credit for its script." I'm sorry. I know it's an action movie. I know that people may listen to some of this and consider it cheesy dialogue or whatever, but it is so absolutely pinpoint on the money for these characters, what they say. When we get introduced to Hobbs, the DEA, we find out they're coming and he's like, going off right it, it, it is amazing he's like get me this get me that get me that you know this and above all else we don't ever ever let them get into cars and it is just of it's just an amazing introduction a- all the way around he wants Elena Navis as his translator because he doesn't really tell him why he's just like get me this person and at one point he asks one of the guys he's like am I or he asks her am I right And then he goes, of course I am. Like, before she can even answer, he's like, of course I am. Like, his confidence is shown to us instantaneously in his introduction scene. Like, we don't need more than that to immediately be like, this is a legit threat to Dom and the crew. And this guy is going to be super entertaining in the meantime. It, It was amazing how they pulled that off, I think. It's further, like, elevated as we go because... When Brian is talking about him and explaining that this guy is on them, they're, they're describing how, who Hobbes is. Brian says about him, he says, this guy, he's Old Testament, bloods, bullets, wrath of God. That's his style. And sure enough, like that rolls into this great moment where he pulls up to them. They're, they're doing this whole like, intentional thing where they pull him in and make him think that he's going to arrest them. And he's like, put your hands up, you know, you're under arrest. And you get this amazing dialogue between the whole crew and Hobbs and his, his officers. And Brian's like, I don't feel arrest. Not, I don't feel under arrest. Not even a little. And Hobbs goes, Oh, give it a minute. It'll sink in. It's just, it's incredible, man. The whole, the, the whole dialogue is amazing because they tell Hobbs that they don't they didn't kill the feds and they're like, you know, we we didn't do that. And Hobbs is like your mistake is thinking you got a choice, boy. And Dom says your mistake is thinking you're in America. You're a long way from home. And it's just this incredible tense back and forth of dialogue of people being themselves talking the way that they would individually talk and not being written out of character in order to create something that feels unnatural for a different reason i don't even know how to explain it but like it happens in so many movies where a character all of a sudden is in a situation and doesn't quite say the thing that you think that they probably really would say that doesn't happen here they're always true to themselves and and hobbs is amazing throughout man every piece of dialogue he says i feel like is quotable it's just delivered in this incredibly entertaining way right up until like you know, the point where Vince is dying and they set him free. They're all, you know, they're being taken in, arrested and they get ambushed and they get out of that. And he, he's one of the only ones left standing and his guys have been killed. And Dom's like, we're going after him. And Hobbs is like, I'm in. I'll ride with you, Toretto. At least until kill, we kill that some of a bitch, you know, and it's just the most Hobbs thing ever. He's like, the, the way he says, I'm in, I'll ride with you, Toretto," is... It's perfect, you know, like it's not necessarily a thing that Hobbes is going to say, but it's the thing that Hobbes needs to say to just completely validate for Dom what he is trying to express, his honesty in that moment, his loyalty in that moment it matches his understanding of who Dom is um and what Dom is all about. I think it's brilliant and and I think the character is like one of the best in any action movie ever in this particular film. So my gushing aside, like, did you feel the same way about Hobbes? And do you think that that it was necessary for he to him or a character like him to enter this franchise in order to push Dom in ways that he's not been pushed before?
0: Well, it's interesting, Aaron, because Dom has kind of made peace with his demons on the loss of letty uh so that that story has at this point completed and we've moved into seeing a crime boss and something that's very typical of action movies is having that triangle of tension where you have the quote good guy or anti-hero who is going after the really bad guy but then he's the antihero is also being kind of pursued by the law and so it's not unfamiliar i think it's very much appropriate for this type of action movie very familiar and one that we can get behind because of that familiarity i think that moment that that scene that you mentioned where hobbs is confronting toretto and brian i i there's, there's so much about that scene that's perfect one is that it's just, it really is about respect. Who's going to back down? Who is going to show respect for the other? And in that moment, I felt like by a slight margin, Brian and Dominic won because of what Dom says. This is Brazil. You know, yeah. I love it. I love it because the fact is, you've got these two big dudes. I mean, they are big dudes. And in terms of like comparing, I have a German Shepherd Collie that I think is a big <laughs> dog compared to my little dog Toby that we had three <laughs> years. And then I take her over to my friend's house who have full blown German Shepherds, and she looks like a puppy. So physically, we've been so used to Dominic Toretto and his big muscles and you know sitting next to Brian, you know he's the big dude, and then we see. Dwayne the rock Johnson coming out like that opening shot of him walking down the ramp of that. I, I know. I mean, he's as big his, as a plane. His, his <laughs> biceps take up the entire frame, dude. And so we, I, again, I think Justin Lin does a fantastic job with his casting here because he, he allows us to say, you know what? There's always going to be somebody that's tougher than, than Toretto. Mm-hmm. And, and that idea kind of plays itself into future entries because, Toretto and and Johnson, I mean, I know they have this tension as as actors, but when, and when you know that that tension, whether it was there for these scenes or not, feels very real. It feels like, look, you don't know what you're talking about. It's almost as if Toretto's saying, look, you're a rookie in this franchise <laughs> and I've been doing this for a while and watching them kind of go back and forth. It makes that moment where Hobbs says, I'll ride with you, Toretto, believable, but only after he says, until we get that guy. And then you're mine, essentially, because he hasn't lost his mission. He knows what he needs to do. And of course, it's reiterated near the end of the film after the big chase where he says, you know, I'll give you 24 hours. And again, it's almost like a mirror image of that scene at the race with the other Brazilians where they're kind of sizing each other up. And (laughs) Toretto says, you know, he says, you know, I'll be coming after you, Toretto. or I'll be I'll find you. And and Toretto goes, no, you won't. (laughs) And It's just like, this is what we're going to have. We're going to have this one element that exists potentially in the next movie. Of course, we don't know what the next movie is going to be. But we know that Hobbs is going to be a factor in it. And I think that seeing how he progresses, it makes him a fun ally, but still creates that tension with him and Toretto. And I think he's a good pairing. I think he and Toretto make a good pairing in this entry and even, spoiler alert, in the next as well. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely.
0: He does. I mean, I I think he's good in all
1: of them. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy his presence in all of the films. I just don't necessarily think that the screen time balance is always as perfect as it is here um in my opinion but it is like in this one so there's so much more so many more characters we could get into depth with you mentioned already one of my favorite things about Giselle and Han hooking up and that scene where he calls out that she was Massad, and she talks about him having smoked and just the way that they clearly are falling for each other and kind of in the same circle as it were. Uh, And and then the great moment that's after that, where she's like, let me show you how to get this done because they can't figure out how to get Reyes's print. And she just walks right up to him and gets it on her butt. And, and of course the ongoing joke by Roman, (laughs) did he slap it or did he just squeeze it? I, I don't know. I'm sorry, but that's hilarious. Especially when he comes back and he says it to Brian about Mia. And I'm just like, dude, dude, this is like, this is the thing with roman like i like that about his characters he's always he always goes a little too far right <laughs> like he just he doesn't know how to rein it in he doesn't have an S button roman no have an he's that button. funny guy that will say something that crosses the
0: line well he's, but, the, he's the only guy in that race of four with the police cars that has his lights on i mean what are you doing it's oh yeah he's stupid yeah don't be don't be an idiot He's also
1: got a great moment in this one. I just love him. I just love him in the whole series. But he's got a great moment in this one where he goes, <laughs> goes to the police station, the evidence room. And he's like, special agent O'Connor. the guy's like, <laughs> says you're Caucasian. He's like, I'm tan. <laughs> and, and then he's like, don't, don't even look at that. Don't worry about that. Just, 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 just under, just believe me. Like, I'm here. I'm good. Like, just let's go. And the guy's like, no. <laughs> I'm gonna call the empathy. No, no, you so funny. I'm special agent on Connor. And he flashes the bat. Like he has, come on, man. But anyway. Um oh, and that great scene with him and Tej and the roller the remote control car oh, you never could drive. Anyway. Additional thoughts on the crew, Patrick. Did you know, we have Giselle <laughs> Han, we have Tej and Roman who we're talking about kind of now and them becoming more of this close knit pair who have these defined roles. Frankly, the cutscene or not the cutscene video game getting things mixed up the after credits no not it's not after credits it's the montage at the end of the film before the credits where roman goes to show tez his new car and he's like this is one of four in the world and tez is in he's got his it's how everybody spent their money right yeah tez is like got his garage that roman's like why would you want to have a job you're ridiculous <laughs> and tez just wants to give people a low-cost option and not uh black you know. Take all their money and he's in his, his car engine, uh, car mechanic get up overalls and Roman's all decked out. It's hot girl and car. And, you know, this is only one of only one of four in,
0: in the, the Western, entire nor- Western hemisphere. hemisphere. You know, yeah. I
1: got this from a sheik in Abu Dhabi, which is fun because in a future movie, he's like, I know a sheik, <laughs> <laughs> which is awesome. I just love the connectivity in this franchise, but like, and then the way that Tej is like car rolls up. And Roman's just like, come on, man. And you know, like of all the things, and Ted's just like, I guess there's two in the Western hemisphere. But like it ends with with them. They get they always banter so hard. But the the final lines of dialogue are Roman being like, Man, go get yourself cleaned up. Let's go. Let's go to this thing. Like they're going out to hang out together. They are best friends. They are perfectly a line to hang out together and they are going to give each other crap constantly non-stop but they love each other's company yeah and, and it comes through so well in this one i think it's, this is where we get it you know it's going to come through in future films but it's because this is where it happens yeah and then we also have the emergence of elena neves uh, who will become vin's new flame by the end of the film we also have a villain uh, played by Joaquim de Almeida. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Maybe might be Almeida Almeida. Uh, he is a Brazilian crime boss. He's playing Hernan Reyes. And I think he's an excellent actor. I always think about him in terms of two specific roles other than this one, and that is in Clear and Present Danger, which is a very, very similar role, and then also in Desperado. Those are the two that I remember him from. But I love him. I think he's great. So, yeah, I mean, just... Kind of a wrapping up a character section here. I know I threw a lot out there, but like, does anything stand out to you amongst the other characters or like, how does the villain rank for you in the series as well?
0: He's good. I mean, I would put him between the second and fourth in terms of like entertainment value. I think he plays the perfect drug cartel guy in this movie. I don't feel like he's as overbearing as the second entry, but I don't feel like he's as fleshed out as the the fourth entry villain. But that's okay, because we don't really need to care about him as a villain. Like, he is a serviceable villain, and his acting chops, and I think specifically knowing him from Clear and Present Danger, make him a lot of fun to watch. In fact, there's a great scene that I think just calls back to Clear and Present Danger, where he's explaining how Brazil got its native language. And he said, you know, you've got these two types of invasions one by force and one by gifts he said Mm -hmm. look if you come in guns blazing the people are eventually gonna overtake you they're gonna rise up and rebel but if you come in giving them gifts you give them something that they can lose then you've got them them.
1: you own them He says. you
0: own them and when you can do that with the great little kind of spanish accent like that i think it makes it all that more fun and believable like oh gosh you don't want to you do not want to turn on this guy you don't want to be on this guy's bad side Cause he's got like four or five lackeys that could probably tear you up. So he's a lot of fun to watch on screen. He, it made me want to just kind of pop in clear and present danger and watch him again in that, because he's just, he's just so 100%
1: cool. did me too. I almost <laughs> did. I was about
0: to say that. But as far as the crew goes, yeah, I absolutely love Tej and Roman. I, I will always gravitate towards a little soft spot in my heart for the, the Brazilian versions of, of the, uh, of those guys, you know, the, I forget their names now. It's because
1: Don and Tigo.
0: Don and Tego because they have that same kind of banter. Like even at the end, before the credits roll, you've got them both taking all of their money. In the casino. And they're and they're like ripping on each other for like you're gonna be stupid and lay your money down on red and the other guy lays it down on black. So somebody's gonna lose all their money and somebody's gonna double down and win. So it's it's like <laughs> you're gonna It's a very that- inception like scene. It because is. like
1: it's like the spinning top, like you something's gonna happen, but you just don't know.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I, I just I love their back and forth banter, especially about me, that that whole man. You need to, you need to be, be more positive, man. You got too much negativity in your life, and I'm like, yeah, dude, yeah, be that motivational speaker. I would I would go to a convention where you were speaking about positivity. But with Tej and Roman, uh, that ending that you mentioned is a nice little bookend to the first entry where they're bringing the whole crew together. <laughs> and Tej, Tej rolls up in that I don't know what it is a cutlass or something like that and Roman says hey Martin Luther King called he wants his vehicle back or something like that and he goes yeah well Rick James called he wants his jacket back and they banter a little bit and then they give each other a hug and it's that same thing how they have this understanding their verbal relationship that verbal banter is their way of saying it's good to see you that's their way of saying I care about you and of course it just comes back at the end where you see these two cars that match now you've got two out of four cars in the uh, in the western hemisphere yeah so i think this movie overall allows me to appreciate the starting point of what we're going to see more of and i think for better or for worse in in some of these cases i think we didn't get enough of some in the future entries and we got a little too much of others but this just like with the screen time for Hobbs, I think has a great balance of giving us enough of each one of these guys that we can enjoy them and call attention to moments like that.
1: Absolutely. Well, last section for us before connecting point action, action, action. It's an action movie and boy, is it an action movie? There are so many incredible, memorable moments in this one. Whereas many of the films in this franchise you can be like oh there's this scene then there's this other scene in this other movie there's other scene in this movie but this one it feels like it's just a non every single one of them sticks out to me in a big way and I kind of want to run through them and talk about some of them and what makes them great and I want to try to take them one at a time we won't go super long on them but I want to start with the train heist Vince is bringing in Mia and Brian along on this job as well as Dom. And of course it's all going to go South. Duh. It had to. The thing that I love about this for, for the most part, Patrick is just, I feel like this train heist is the perfect blend of spy action and blockbuster crazy action because it takes things like Brian pickpocketing a guard and using his access card. And then the heavy duty Mad Max style truck that comes up, attaches itself to the train, has this hydraulic lift and like mechanism that attaches to the car and pulls it out and then is able to drop it down a ramp so they can drive it away. It's amazing. It's sick. It looks awesome. And you get. The introduction of these thugs from Reyes's crew, you immediately know something's up because they're like, hey, I want to get that GT40. And Dom, ever observant, is like, Nia's going to take that car, you know, let's let the lady have it. And he knows, he's able to see these things. I think that's one of the things that makes him really intriguing for Hobbs going forward And what makes him want to work with these guys and use them in these big international situations is because that's a quality that not everybody has, even in law enforcement, right? But Dom is always aware of his surroundings because of how he's come up and because of the life he's lived. And so he picks up on things like that. And it's just it's just epic, Patrick. The whole scene is, like, awesome. It's fast-paced. It's wild. And the way it concludes with the come-on moment of the entire movie, really. The epic, wild car going off of the the cliff and them just jumping over the edge. It's awesome. It's It looks amazing. And it's stupid. There's no way in heck that these guys would live from this incredibly high jump. But I love that Lynn at least attempts to make it realistic because what happens is Brian you know climbs up on the back of the car and they both jump all w- away from the car which is smart because you don't want to land with the car you don't want the car to land on you and so that way they can enter the water at an angle that theoretically could give them a chance <laughs> now I, I i'm almost positive that the force would just destroy their bones and that there's no way that they would survive this and and i think it's all summed up it's perfect i think one of the things movies like this give us when you are attached to the characters and i go back to saying that i think every line in this film of dialogue is perfect is this ends with tom looking at brian and going you had to make a call huh shitty call o'connor shitty call (laughs) and it's just like
0: yes (laughs) yes it was dom yes it was this scene is um it's pretty epic. Uh, first of all, in light of my recent love for Ford v Ferrari, the GT40, seeing that I was like, "Oh my gosh, yes, absolutely." Here's what I will say though, and it, it's a lot of fun. It's so much fun to see this. You're right, it's a great combination of spy stuff and <laughs> big action like Mad Max. the The way they get pulled out and then they they exit, I think it's pretty fantastic. <laughs> If I were going to nitpick this, if I were going to say, okay, the whole movie wouldn't have been possible because of this, I will say this: the GT40 had the chip in it, right? Had Dom just let the guy take the GT40 and completed the job, I don't think they would have gotten in trouble with Reyes, and therefore they would have gotten their job, and then we wouldn't have had the movie that we did. So, logic aside, you know, it's Good it's, point. It's, it's the same beef I have with like The Wizard of Oz. None of this would have happened if Toto had been like dog trained and not gone and bitten, you know, whoever, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> but all that being said, it's so much fun to watch because it's that, it's that scene that you feel like, oh, was that the first scene in it? That's why it feels like the first scene because most of these entries start with a big sequence like this. And when you have an abbreviated kind of rescue of Dom, it's kind of forgettable, but then it leads to this you love the fact that it's a train it's being chased its cars and yeah you're right when you dive off a cliff like that ah, uh, no you're not surviving that but it's still a heck of a lot of fun to watch
1: i yeah i mean i could just watch it on repeat it's it's awesome it's such a great it's such a great start whether it's the start or not it's such a great start to the problem of the movie that is being introduced to us Well, the second one that I want to talk about is the rooftop chase scene. The first interactions between Hobbs and Dom and the crew. Hobbs busts in to get them, and they've got to run. This will be mimicked later on uh, in film, for sure. Definitely in Aquaman, uh, when I watched the chase sequence across, across the rooftops, In uh, James Wan's film, I think about this one all the time because they are very, very similar in the way that they're shot uh, with sweeping cameras from above and aerial footage and stuff. So uh, how do you feel about this whole sequence and this introductory
0: meeting between those two? I mean, it's it's fine, I think, because we've seen it in entries after this, not just this, but in other movies. It feels a little bit derivative. It's still really well shot and I think we got a little bit of it in Fast Four when we saw the inter- reintroduction of Brian chasing after the the Lackey. So it's it's on par with those other movies and other movies that take this and use it, but it didn't necessarily stand out as like a wow scene for me.
1: It is where Elena gets the necklace. That happens. Yes. So I like that and I like that we See Hobbs for the very first time in action, he takes on like three or four of Reyes' grunts at once and just like snaps a couple of necks with like two twists of his arm, grabs a gun from one guy, shoots another guy with it, then he snaps that guy's neck. And he just like instantaneously shows you how much of a beast he is. You know, like, I mean, you can believe it from his demeanor, but then we see him and we're like, that's when we're like, Okay, yeah, I believe that that's a problem. <laughs> that guy's gonna be an issue for these guys. So I really liked that, and I and I still think it's just it's fun, it's memorable to watch them running across the rooftops, even though it doesn't last nearly as long as I tend to think it does in my brain. The chase sequence. The third one is the Dom and Hobbs fight, the street fight, as it were, in the garage. The first of several that we're gonna get in the series. How did that one go for you?
0: Well, that was just pure fun for me. I loved watching these two guys just essentially bow up to each other in a physical way as opposed to a verbal one. I think it was a great payoff to what we saw earlier where, you know, this is Brazil. And now it's like, I don't have to be as big as you to take you on. And so I think it's it's the fight that we wanted and it's the fight that we got.
1: It is. And it ends with a very important moment, which is Dom slamming that wrench into the concrete and not killing Hobbs when he could have. He could have done that. He could have hurt him severely to the point where he was incapacitated and unable to be a problem anymore. He could have killed him and he chose not to. He lets them all get arrested in service of not continuing the criminal violence and that's one of the things that I find interesting about this and one of the things that makes these guys all such enjoyable anti-heroes is that they don't kill for no reason you know they don't go up and look for reasons to murder or attack other people it's always the ones that are in the way (laughs) protecting the things for the criminals that's really a big positive for me in this series Um and that's what makes you able to root for them even though they're on the outside of the law as well so I thought that that sums that up in a really good way and of course it gives us the whole reason why later Hobbs is willing to be like all right I'm in I'll ride with you I'm gonna help you see this through last but not least the safe the heist one of the most memorable ones ever crafted, ever created. We've talked about some of the things they did in setting up the crew did and how they prepared for this. I am never not surprised when I watch this movie. Every time when they talk about hitting all the banks and my brain starts putting things together going, yeah, that's, that's why they're doing it. They're making him move the money. And then every time when they go through this huge long chase sequence, And we get to watch Hobbs open that thing up and realize there's nothing there. And you see that look on his face and that recognition that they pulled one over on him. And of course, we get to see how it all happened after the fact. It's incredible. It is amazing. Watching Dom drive this safe across this bridge and swing his car left and right to get momentum for this safe and use it to like crush cars perfectly left and right dude i couldn't do this in a video game if you gave me infinite number of tries i don't know that i would have that much precision so the fact he's able to do it one try on a bridge is incredible but man is it again we go back to that word it is epic it is memorable Uh but you love the safe scene too what do you love about it
0: physics I mean, that's the one word. I the lack is. of it no, or. No, <laughs> I'm just saying that it feels very smart in the way in which they use the physics. They use the weight of the safe to in- intentionally or unintentionally cause destruction. And you could say just in principle that this is a come on moment. I mean, who in their right mind would be able to drag a safe through downtown Brazil? But it's so great how it's portrayed. Everything that they do, the way in which they do the turns and how it destroys the sides of buildings, the way in which Dom uses it to hit these cars, it, it almost speaks to how he understands how a car moves. Like he understands how to handle a car, the torque, the way in which when you drift – you turn into the turn instead of away from it, or I don't know what it is that to understand how a car operates. Now you're adding, I don't know how many pounds to it by dragging it around. And I don't think he's necessarily had experience lugging cargo like that, but the fact is, I think it speaks to how well of a precision driver he and Brian are and how they're able to work in tandem with two cars. And then eventually Dom working solo with his, one of the things I've, I was trying to figure out this time around, and of course I couldn't because the cuts were so tight, was, did the safe look like it was lighter after going under the bridge? I don't think it did, personally. I think that, I don't think, I don't think Lynn was trying to be that specific, but- I don't think have, the
1: money weighs enough to make that much of a difference. That's a lot of comparatively money. Comparatively, not to the weight of the safe. I mean, I mean, you're talking tonnage. Well, maybe, yeah. Versus pounds. I guess you're right, like,
0: yeah. But in any case, I didn't see a difference. So yeah. I guess kudos for keeping it consistent. But it's it's just so much fun to watch, And I mean, it's believability aside, it's just a ton of fun. It's two tons of fun, I think, because the safe weighs so much. But you've just got a lot happening here. And let me just say this overall. I think Fast Five, there's a lot of credit that needs to go to the editing team, to the cinematographer for being able to craft all of these sequences that we've just talked about. That's a lot. And a lot of these things I would like to believe are practical effects. We're not talking about digitally putting a lot of this stuff together, but you're talking about blocking off a a big chunk of a city to do all this, whether or not you're destroying buildings or not. There's a lot that needs to be appreciated from a technical standpoint about a smooth sequence where all this stuff is happening
1: you are absolutely right the editing is phenomenal in this film for sure and as i've been flaunting the entire episode the dialogue and the writing it it's what makes this elevated like above it's not just action it's that awesome character interaction that we get and you get it right here too when you get to the bridge and dom's like brian says we're not going to make it and dom says you're right you are which tends to happen this is like a conversation that i see feel like it's repeated several times in the series he's like you're a father now brian take care of mia and he takes off by himself and there at the end brian is there to save his bacon and dom says i thought i told you to go on and what does brian say the perfect callback to the epic jump scene off of the cliff when everything went wrong on the train brian says yeah i had to make a call and it, and, and we know And Dom knows, and that's all that matters. And the way that so much is said between these guys, oh, it's just, it's amazing. And then you get Hobbs who walks up and this guy who's all about law and justice walks up, Hernan Reyes is starting to crawl out of this car and he just, the most nonchalant, walks over with his pistol, pop, boom, dead, moves on, says, that's for my team, you son of a bitch. And then when he opens the safe, Dude, his little speech here, I almost clipped it because it's so good. He's like, it's a hell of a mess. You know that I can't let you two go. I ain't made that way. The way I see it, you've earned yourself 24 hours. The money stays. If I were you, I'd use the time to make peace with whatever demons you've got left. Because come tomorrow, I will find you. Toretto, I'll see you soon. And you alluded to this earlier when you, when you mentioned this whole statement. And Dom's like, no, you won't. And we know. And he knows Hobbs knows like it's there's such an understanding like oh it's just awesome I, I just I want I, I would say I want to be friends with these guys I mean I don't I don't think probably a little too too much for my blood and me but you know it, for the most part I think that it's just incredible well I think we should move on to our connecting point at this point uh and I guess we usually go in chronological order. So I will kick us off because mine happens before yours. So mine is really just a brief section of the film. And, and I will say my number two is easily your number one. And they're, they're 1A and 1B. And when I went into it, Patrick, the one that you're going to talk about actually assumed would be my connecting point. I was like, oh, well, it's going to be that. But in this rewatch, something about this moment just stuck out to me and it's when Brian and Dom are talking fatherhood. We've had the pregnancy reveal. Dom's had that big grin on his face and said the the great line about family just got bigger. And then he's just it's just Brian and Dom sitting there talking. And again, I think this is what I was mentioning earlier where I really gravitated towards the the lack of tension between the two of them in this film. The ability for them to have this conversation. This reminded me of the moment in fast and furious one in the garage where dom is opening up and telling him about what happened to his dad brian asks him what he remembers about his father you know because brian's got all these things swirling in his head he's thinking like oh my gosh i'm gonna be a dad and dom starts telling him these good stories about how hard his dad worked he was always in the garage but when he came home we always would go to church on sunday he'd always have a barbecue in the neighborhood But if you didn't go to church, you couldn't eat. And he said he would always be there at night helping Mia with her homework. And Brian gives us one of the first ever to be on like pieces of information about his past. (laughs) And he's like, I don't remember anything. I don't even remember what my dad looked like. He was just never there. And Dom says, you ain't going to be like that, Brian. And it's brief. But it's so powerful for me because I think a lot about not just the sins of the father, but that's something to think about. but fatherhood's always been important to me as a divorced parent who has not had full custody of his kids for many years of their life. It was always important to me to sacrifice and do whatever I could to be there for my kid i i I didn't want this to be my kid's life. And there are so many kids that miss out for whatever the reasons may be. And you get someone like Brian, who on the surface you look at and you think, that guy's fine. Like he probably has it all together. He grew up, he's a pretty little white boy. You know, he probably had it fine. You would assume Dominique Toretto maybe didn't based on the way his life has turned out. But you don't know. It's the reverse of that. Right? And you get an idea and a sense here of like how fatherhood really does affect a child growing up. Dom is informed. His loyalty, the way that he holds the value for family comes from his dad. And Brian and his inability to quickly fall into that in the same way. Like it takes time. It's a struggle at times. And I think that that calls back to the fact that he's never had that. Like he's, he's got daddy issues. I mean, he does. And it's because he never had that. And here he is saying, look, man, this is like my most open point of vulnerability. I'm in my own words. I'm telling you, I'm scared to be a dad. I don't want to be like mine. I want to be more to my child. And to have his best friend be able to tell him this story and show him that confidence that he has in him and say that you're not going to be like that is a beautiful, beautiful thing for me. And I think that this scene is just, is a bond between the two of them that takes their relationship to an entirely new place and a new level. I mean, it goes beyond just being joined as brothers in law because you said some words and got a marriage certificate, right? This is a love. And this is what people who love each other and care about each other and believe in each other. This is the kind of conversations and real talk that they have and they have value. And so
0: it was just really, really
1: like powerful and stuck out to me and hit me in the face this time around.
0: Yeah. It's powerful to me too. It was my one. A, So I think we just kind of reversed the the trend there where I'm the one that stood out to me was really informed by that scene because it's almost an expansion. And it's the one that I think is called back to a lot in, in later entries when you look back on why we love the franchise and it's the scene in the garage just after Vince has been kind of called back to the fold. He's been told, go get something to eat. Brian is talking to Tej or Roman. He and me are talking to Tej or Roman. They're about to start ce- They're celebrating and they're, at this kind of downtime where they're all kind of hanging out together and Brian reveals that Mia can't have a drink because she's prego. And they're like, Oh my God. And of course that joke that you mentioned comes back and then Dom comes in and he says, bring it together or something like that. And I I wish I had it quoted, but essentially you have this really great shot of this crew, this family coming around With beer. (laughs) And he gives this short speech. He said, you know, money comes and goes. That's just part of it. We know that. But family, family's forever. And right here, right now, this is the most important thing that we have. And he exclamation points it with what we know is one of the best lines in the entire franchise. Salute me familia. And then everybody brings it together and they say, salute. And I think that that just as a Captain Obvious statement is what makes Fast Five extra perfect, extra special, because it's very much self-aware. It's very much, and I think Justin Lin is a key component of this, that it really is about the family. It really is about the people in that room. And watching how they come together to not only do a job, but also to take care of one another expands beyond just the father son relationship, which is huge, but it's also about the brother brother relationship, about the brother sister relationship about the deep love relationships that each one have for one another paired up or not. I knew in that moment that if anybody perished, there would be a mourning period for any one of them, whether it was Tej or Roman or Brian or Giselle. And what that does, Aaron, is that makes the further entries kind of a cautious journey because you're like, I don't want anybody to die now. I don't. I want this family to stay together. I don't want any more loss. We lost Vince, which wasn't, huge because he wasn't necessarily connected as much as these guys are but he was still a loss and now we're kind of in that circle with them putting our our beer bottles up with them and we're saying okay we're in this and we're gonna celebrate together and we're gonna mourn together whatever the future holds and that's before we even get to the final sequence where fortunately nobody dies (laughs) besides Vince of course but you know we don't know what's going to happen at this point after the movie's over. Like who else is going to leave? Who else is going to perish? And now we've got this vulnerable child inside Mia's belly who is, you know, what's he going to be like? Or she, are they going to, is Mia going to die before this child's born? Is she going to die and childbirth? I don't know what's going to happen. And, but it's a beautiful moment. And that's what I think I gravitated towards more than anything else is that, It's a recognition of the fact that the people in this room, maybe kind of thinking sort of meta, the actors in this room, the people that have made this what it is up to this point, that's what matters because money comes and goes. The success or failure of a franchise comes and goes, but the people in this room are what make it special. We could have cars, we could have money, nothing else matters if you don't have these people. So that's why... Um. I love that moment.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Beautiful, man. Yeah. Well said. And also we'll end this by telling you this has one of the best post credit scenes I've ever seen in my entire life. Such a great stinger. Because when it happened in the theater, I remember I very rarely does a post credit scene make me audibly go, Oh my God. Like freak out. And this one, you're just like, there's Hobbs, Monica Fuentes is back. And you're like, yeah, we're going to keep bringing people back. Let's bring them all. Like everybody's coming into the fold and she's suddenly working with Hobbes and you're going, your brain is scrambling, trying to figure out like, wait, why is she there with him? And like, why is he still in this? And she's like, you got to see this. And when she says, do you believe in ghosts? And you see that little picture on the screen for a second showing Letty. And you're just like, what? Like, it is so, so amazing. And, and of course we live in a day and age now where that's not going to happen the same way. We've been told Han's coming back. Like, we understand that because we've seen a trailer. It's not nearly as powerful, like, of a reveal. Like, we're both excited. Like, we want Han to come back. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm excited about that. I'm fine with it. It's like superheroes. People want their superheroes to come back. They don't want them to continue just die off. Yeah, it's fun to have the semblance and the idea of stakes, but there are certain characters, you just don't want that. I didn't want Han to be gone. I want more Han. So I'm happy. But like finding out he's coming back with the internet and the age of Twitter and all this thing, it was not the same as when we got this reveal because this was the first time people saw and people realized it was like in that moment, communally in a theater with fans and other people who love this franchise going, what the F?
0: And it's amazing. It's yeah. And I'm already excited about it i know me even though too. i knew it was coming i was like yeah bring back Lenny. i know absolutely <laughs> well that wraps up this episode of feelin film but of course we are so excited about this next week because coming up for real this time we bring you our june donor pick the rock as well as some great bonus content for our patrons if you want a piece of that content be sure to check out patreon.com slash film and for as little as a dollar a month you can Uh, Speaking of donor picks, this month's voting starts on the first of the month and goes to the 10th, so if you are part of the Patreon family, get those votes out there as soon as we post that vote poll, whatever we're calling it, and if not, we would love to have you as part of that family. Following that, we will be continuing, as we said, our furious summer, bringing you your boy Colby Mack to talk about the next installment, Infinite Runways and all. (laughs) Aaron, thanks for another great conversation, and we will talk soon.
1: or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very
0: active in both places and would love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you.
1: Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive.
0: And keep feeling film.